This is the Perfectly Mentored Podcast with your host, Jason Portnoy. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Perfectly Mentored. I'm your host, Jason Portnoy, and we are back with the Ask Jason Live show, where I fielded questions from people live. You're not going to want to miss this one. Check it out. All right. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Ask Jason show, where we go live every week answering your questions around business and marketing or anything else you want to ask Jason. Are you ready, Jason? We've got a lot. A lot of questions. Right, I'm ready, but I think we should start with something that we spoke offline a, a little bit about. So I don't like to know all the questions, but you and I were just talking about what kind of sets you off a little bit in terms of, oh. in terms of driving. <laughs> I, it made me think one of my biggest pet peeves literally is people who are drive slow in the left lane. Mm -hmm. That is like one of the biggest <laughs> things that, that, that bothers me. It's the left lane is for driving fast or for passing cars. If True. you're not passing any cars, you should not be in that lane. You should move on over to the right lane. I think, right. I think those type of drivers, if they don't, never mind that. When I start like getting close to those people and they don't move out of the way and they just keep driving their they little slow the way in their left lane, <laughs> it irritates me. It gets me so mad. Yeah. I don't know why, but that's, I don't think there's anything that gets, that makes my blood boil as much. Like you could insult me. You could do a lot of things. You could, you, you could have. You can do a lot of things, but like that, that right. is like that and bad customer service, that and waiting in a restaurant when there's no one there and the waiter or waitress doesn't come over to you and there's no one in the restaurant. It's an empty restaurant. Yeah. Man, how hard is it to just check on the person? How yeah. hard is it to do all that? Those two things. What's your pet peeve? Oh, for sure. Driving slow. If you're not going the speed limit, if you're not going five at least five above the speed limit, you got to get out of the way. Yeah. At least that five. Will, five is yes, five. Is five. Ten five is, is ideal, but at least five, you got to get out of the How way. How many speeding tickets have you gotten? Only <laughs> one my whole life. Good. All right. <laughs> based, based off what I'm hearing right now, I just thought you'd be like, you'd put on your racing gloves and you put on a racing hat That's and you step smart. on the gas. <laughs> I'm a smart driver. I know when to slow down, but yeah, only one speeding ticket. Okay. So I think I'm a good driver. All right. <laughs> All right. I, I think that's enough banter. I think we could get into yeah. questions that will actually help people. I don't think anyone really cared about what we just spoke about here, but. Oh, I'd be cool. willing to bet other people are on the uh, same page. For sure people, <laughs> but I don't think people are just like, can we just hear get some started. questions and some answers? Yeah. yeah. Okay. It's, All right. it's, Wednesday, it's Wednesday morning. Can we just get, <laughs> get to this already, Jason? All right. Let's see what we have here. Okay. We've got a question from Sam. Sam asks, what percentage of my budget, what percentage of my budget? So I, okay. So I'd be spending on top of funnel. Oh, should I be spending on top of funnel on Facebook versus retargeting? Uh, yeah. Okay. So, I mean, I don't know who's listening and how, and what the context is and how much people know or don't know. So let me just explain that really quickly because I think it's a good question. Top of funnel. So the way ads work or the way any marketing kind of works is funnels. And I know that's a, it's a word that's been a buzzword for a while, a couple of years ago. I believe it needs to be brought back in because I don't think enough businesses are running funnels. But pretty much if you look at it from an online advertising perspective, 
you have almost call it like three or four different parts of a funnel, like just from a macro, we could break that down even more from a customer journey perspective, but just from an advertising perspective, you have to understand you have an audience that's top of funnel, which is what, who asked this question? Sam. Which is what Sam was asking about. So we have top of funnel, which is a cold audience, people who don't know you or your business exists or you and your offer exists, or maybe they've been a customer a long time ago, but they haven't bought from you in a while. You need to remind them. Anyways, top of funnel is a cold audience. So that's awareness, right? So you have that level is called awareness. How do you get people to know you exist? Then you have the second part of a funnel, which is called consideration. So now that they know you exist, how do they consider, how do you get them to consider buying from you? And then the third part of that is transaction. How do you get anyone who's considered buying from you from that awareness stage? They considered it. Now you get them to buy from you. You get them to make a transaction. And then the last part is what some people call it. Some people don't. Loyalty. How do you get the people to come back? The people who bought from you come back and bring them back into that funnel and bring them back into the consideration stage and get them to come through it all over again. So that's pretty much what a funnel is. I think a lot of times when we audit accounts, especially on Facebook, we look at it and it's heavily spent on retargeting which means it's heavily spent on people who already know you exist. So results may look good, but the point of online marketing or the point of Facebook ads, in my opinion, is to be bring in new customers. Your media buying, it's mm-hmm. for customer acquisition. It's an acquisition tool. You should be bringing in new people into the funnel. And you want to fill that pipeline. You want to fill that funnel as much as possible. Think about it as a brick and mortar store. What's the first thing you do when you have a store is you have to put up a sign, right? People have to know that store actually exists. That's the awareness stage. That's the top of funnel stage. They have to be able to drive past, see a sign or foot traffic has to walk by, see a sign on the store and then want to go in. Once they go in, they need to consider buying from you. That's where you have the greeters, right? Hey, how can I help you? What are you looking for today? How can I get through this? Is your store designed properly to get them to consider, to go through it? Are you showing them relevant information and, and Are you displaying everything in your store properly? That's ads, right? You're displaying your ads properly to where they're at in the funnel. And then the next is they have to go to the checkout counter and actually buy from you. And that's the transaction stage. So those are the three stages of the funnel and then they have to come back. That's the loyalty stage. So back to answer the original question now that we understand that and we went down a rabbit hole of what a funnel is, um, we could answer the question of how much needs to be spent on top of funnel. I just told you that majority of people are spending too much on the retargeting side, which is the middle of funnel or bottom of funnel. Middle of funnel is consideration. Bottom of funnel is transaction. Those are the stages of what you want them to do. I believe at least, and it depends what your media buying strategy is, but at least 60%, and I would even venture to say 70% plus of your budget should be spent on trying to bring new people into the funnel of trying to get new people to come in because that's your job as a media buyer. That's your job from an online marketing perspective. You have your emails, you have your SMS, you have all your different ways to retain customers and get back in front of them. You have your organic social, all those different things. Those should be spent on getting people to come back who already know you exist. The majority of your money. So I would say at a minimum 60%, but I would probably say higher 70% should be spent on that the way we break it down is around 10 percent of our ad spend gets spent on testing new creative because we always Mm -hmm. have to test offers always have to test creative that's the number one uh aside from the three mistakes i see the most is they're spending way too much on dip on the wrong part of the funnel they're not spending enough on the overall funnel on on ads and then third is they're they're just not they're not testing anything they're not testing enough creative so we or systematically testing it 
So we break it down. We have 10% of the budget. So I'm just going to use $100, let's say. $100 budget, $10 goes to testing. Uh, I would say from there, we're left with $90. I would say maybe 60 goes to goes towards top of funnel and then the rest of the 40% goes towards retargeting. Hope that answered your question, but I would say looking from 60 to anywhere, 60 to 80% of your budget should be spent on top of funnel. Okay. Okay. Our next question is from Mallory. Are podcasts a good way to grow your business? Are podcasts a good way to grow your business? Depends how it's used. I think people start podcasts and then they just say, okay, everyone's going to come in. I think if you strategically use your podcast, it could be really good. So if I have to start over again and I wanted to use just perfectly mentored as pure lead generation, as a way to just get new customers in for us, for the agency, what I would have done is not interviewed big name people who are just big names. I would have gone after, I would have made a dream 100 of the realistic dream 100, not like Jeff Bezos. I would make a dream 100 of my ideal customers or people I want to work with. If we're, let's say an e-commerce agency, Megan, you have a clothing brand. I want to run ads for your clothing brand. I sit there and say, okay, Megan has to be on my list because I, I want to do business with her. I want to help her e-commerce brand. It's great. Now, if I reached out to you, Megan, and sat and said, all right, Megan, I would like to run your ads. Guess what? You get a million of those pitches every single day. Everyone wants to run your ads. So I'm probably not even going to get through to you. If you have an assistant, I'm not going to get through to your assistant. If I, if you have, if you even saw that email, you'd probably delete it. However, if I said, hey, Megan, I got this podcast. It's called e-commerce superstars. And I showcase a lot of people I respect and love who are doing things right in the in this in the e-commerce space. And I think you would be an excellent fit. I love everything you're doing with the brand. I'd love to interview you. Mm. Pretty sure you're going to answer that email. And I'm pretty right. sure if not, I have a better chance of you answering that email than if I sat there and cold pitched you mm -hmm. to run your ads. So guess what? Now I have you on the podcast. I develop a relationship with you. We have five minutes before the podcast starts, five minutes after I tell them I run an agency. Thank you so much for doing this. I see a lot of different brands as an agency owner, and I just love everything you're doing. Kudos to you. And I don't necessarily have to pitch you right then and there. Maybe you mm -hmm. ask the question and be like, oh, you guys run Facebook ads? Oh, yeah, we do. Do you guys have people running it for you right now? Oh, yeah, we do. We have an agency we work with. Are you happy? Oh, we're very happy. Cool. Do you, are you, if you're ever open to a free audit, like no pressure, no pitch, I'm more than happy to help. Again, just as appreciation of you being on this podcast. But thank you so much. Or if you say, no, we're not really happy, that's your in. Or if you never even pitch and it just goes on and you say, thank you very much. What do you do? You send them a thank you gift after. Thank you so much for being on it. Now you're on the radar. So now when you email them, you have that relationship. There's no gatekeeper anymore. So if I now want right. to pitch you in a few months from now, guess what? I did it. So it's a slow way to build it. That's how I would have done it. That's probably how I would have changed if I had to go back in time and, and redo the podcast. And the other way is if you really wanted to, if you really wanted to take your podcast seriously and you, and you sit there and say, okay, I don't want to do it for Legion. I just want to make money off of it. Cool. You could then go get sponsors, go get someone who wants to sponsor mm -hmm. your podcast and pay you monthly. So I think there's, I think there's many ways to grow your business. Podcast is just one of those ways, but if used strategically, just doing a podcast and sitting there saying, Hey, I think just showing that you're an expert and going through it, like these weekly Q and a calls, like it's a long-term approach. I would do it the other way. I'd go interview the people that I want to work with, have them on and then build that relationship so I can pitch them. Yeah.
Yeah, great. Okay. Okay. Uh, I'm starting a new high ticket program. What's the best way to bring in new people and get testimonials? What's the best way to bring in new people and get testimonials? So if it's a new program, again, I just want to say who, who asked this question? Uh, his name is Jason as well. It's oh, a good name. I, <laughs> I like this question already. It's great. It's a great name. Probably the best name of a person who asked a question on the show yet <laughs> or ever in the history of asking me questions. The best name. But uh, Jason, if I were you and I've done this because I've launched high ticket coaching program, probably the, the first thing I would do is I'd call it like the first group of people that come in or like the beta group or call it the founding members group. And I wouldn't even run ads towards getting those people in. What I would do is I'd go message every single person in my contact list on Messenger or Facebook or email, app, whatever you have, find people who are a fit for your program. I'd go in and I'd spend all my time messaging hundreds of people just starting the conversation and then see if they'd be a good fit and want to come in and learn more. And then what you do is, this is how you get testimonials right off the bat. What you do is you tell them they'll get a price. It's called it the founding member price. They'll get a price that will never be offered to anyone else ever again. And they'll be grandfathered in at that price. And now what we do, what's called case study, case study incentive price. So what that means is they're grandfathered in, but they have to give a testimonial at the end of it. So at the end of going through your program, the only reason they get this discount is that they let you use them as a case study. So they come in say, okay, great. I think you'd be a great fit for this program. It's $20,000, but guess what? If you let us use you as a case study and you're willing to give a testimony at the end of this, I will knock off $5,000 or whatever discount you want to give in order to get the first founding members in. And then they become that price. And that's how you get people in. That's how you build a founding core group of people that pay less than everyone else, but you're getting something from them back, which is a case study, a testimonial, which I think answers both your questions of how do you get new people into the program? And then how do you get testimonials from them? And by the way, I would, at the end of it, say, okay, cool. Because I, I would actually put that into your contract. And because of that, they have to give a case study or testimony, which then you schedule a Zoom interview with them. And I wouldn't leave it to them to film a video with you. I would go on Zoom, have a call with them, and then ask some questions like, hey, I'm just going to ask you a couple of questions. We're going to edit out all my questions and we're going to make it look a little pretty. But do you mind if I interview and find out a little bit more about how your success was in the program? And just then say, cool, tell us your name. Tell us what life and business was like before you came into this program, they'll go through it. If they don't give you enough pain points, strike, like push a little bit and be like, okay, what were you, what was the problem? Where were you stuck and get those answers from them. And you want them to sit there and say, before I joined your program, I was completely lost. Business was on the verge of bankruptcy. <laughs> and I didn't, that's the, you don't want to go that drastic, but that's where you want to lead them to. And then you sit and say, okay, what was life like? during the program it was hard but i you pushed me and i got in and i started putting in i started seeing results quickly what's life been like since you finished the program my business is drastically transformed everything's better right now thanks to you you say okay did you have any hesitations about joining the program yeah it was this because i've been burnt before you want to give you want to get all those things from them and be like what would you say to someone who's considering or working with me and in this program i would tell them 100 they got to work with you 100 they, they got to do it that's how you build a quality 
testimonial video versus just being like, Hey, Hey Megan, can you do me a favor? Can you just take a video and shoot me over a video and say how much you love me and how great the program was. And then they send you a video right. saying, I highly recommend this program. It was a lot of fun. And yeah. then you're like, Oh, I can't really do anything with that because yeah. no one's joining a program for fun. Yeah. When I think you, when you make it that easy, I think people are more than willing to help you out with a testimonial. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's the way to do it. Cause it's not even a testimonial. It becomes an interview at that point that you just, mm-hmm. that you just chop up and edit into a really good testimonial. Right. Okay. Our next question is from Tina. I'm a one woman show making good money, but do I need to hire more people? No, but I think that depends on what your goals are. I think you could grow really healthy and have success being a one person show or even, or even a one, or even just having a lean team. This is something I talk a lot about inside our coaching program. There are a lot of ways to scale and not necessarily have to overhire to be able to stay lean and watch profits because look, I care about profit way more than I care about revenue. I think I've talked about this a lot. I think revenue is a vanity metric. So I care more about, about profit than I do about anything else. But you have to ask, does your ambition if is your ambition to grow, I want to grow to a billion dollars, you're, you're going to need a team. So it's what do you want? And, and you don't have to do anything. But what you do have to do, and the work that you do has to match the ambition you want. So if you're like, hey, I'm okay making 100k a year, and that's it, you could do that very easily as a one man person and never hire anyone, or a one woman show, or a one person show and never hire anyone. That being said, again, it's this has just been coming up a lot in, in inside the coaching program. Is that they're they're just awful managers too. Some people are like some solopreneurs, just awful managers. They're great one man, one person, one woman show. But when they do add someone, they're awful. They micromanage. They don't delegate. They sh- and that then caps them from really growing, and they struggle to to really grow. And I think I've speaking just super candidly and transparently. I think. That's something I have to learn to become a better manager. When I was starting the agency and doing the coaching program, it was very easy to do it like one solo. But when you start bringing on a team and doing things, Megan's probably the better person to tell me if I'm a good manager or not. But uh, being a solopreneur and then becoming a leader don't always go hand in hand. So I just, I'd look out for that as well. Yeah. Okay. All right. From Neil, you get asked a lot of questions and now the show are there such is there such a thing as stupid questions <laughs> from neil <laughs> uh, yeah i think so that's but the wrong answer <laughs> no it's because here's because i i hate the cliche of no stupid questions only stupid answers right yeah. or no there's no such thing as a stupid question i think some questions are stupid <laughs> um but let me say it's in i think that's you have to have some context around that because I think questions that, that I may ask you, you may find stupid that I'm trying to learn from. I think it's a weird term because stupid for me isn't stupid for someone else and whatnot. It's, it goes back to this thing that I like to call first language, third language, which is I'm heavily entrenched in the marketing and business world. So a lot of these things for me are my first language. But if I talk to someone who's an academic and doesn't really understand a lot of these things, well, then I'm speaking 
to them and what's their third language. But for me is my first language. So your first language was if your third language was English and my first language is English, guess what? There's going to be a lot of disconnect. There's going to be a lot of barriers there. And I may get frustrated because it's my first language and your third language. So I think that's how you have to look at things. But I do think that a lot of questions, I think a lot of the stupid questions for me that I find are not, are, they're not questions. I don't get annoyed by like, so I get annoyed and by stupid questions when they're either people who ask the same questions over and they don't want to listen or learn. So they just keep asking the same questions. I find those questions stupid, but maybe stupid is the wrong word. Maybe it's irritating because because they, they don't want to, they don't want to learn or listen. And so your 19th time asking me that question. I get it. You got to ask a few times, but if it's your like 20th time, asking me the same thing and we have to keep covering the same thing, something's wrong here. Um, but I think most questions are validation questions, meaning they're asked, but people already know the answer. So either one is they ask a question trying to look smart, right? Trying to look like they know more or trying to like show or like asking a question to show that that's a stupid question because it doesn't help anyone. It doesn't help you. And asking a question for other people doesn't necessarily help as much. Like, I think if you're going to, if you're going to spend time with me and, you, and you're going to ask me questions, I'd much rather you not try to ask a high level question that you think is going to help someone else listening, but you already know the answer to you're, you have access to me and you should be asking questions that are going to help you. So back to the point, I think most questions asked are validation questions. So they ask, but they already know the answer or they're looking for someone to tell them what they want to hear. And if not, they'll keep asking those questions until someone validates them. And those questions I think are just wrong type of questions to ask because the only person you need validation from is yourself. And I think that comes from distraction. I think it comes from people not wanting to do, not wanting to do as much. So they just keep distracting themselves until someone validates they're not doing this of being like, oh yeah, it's a good thing you didn't start that project because we had this and this versus starting it, failing it and learning from it. Yeah, I do think there are stupid questions. <laughs> All right. Okay, let's see. This is a great question. What do you eat for breakfast from Justin? That is a good question. I don't usually eat breakfast. Yeah, I have a coffee. And once in a while, I'll have a bite of whatever my, whatever my kids are eating. Uh, <laughs> if like Ryan's having a chocolate chip Eggo. Man, that smells good. I just want, sometimes I just want to have a bite of it if Chloe's having toast and sometimes she wants to share with me. But usually I'm okay. To, like I would say 90% of the time I'm okay to lunch. And it started off originally, I was starting it off as trying some sort of intermittent fasting and trying mm -hmm. it out. And then it just turned into, I've never really been hungry. And when I'm hungry, I'll eat, I'll eat something. But for the most part, I'm not really hungry in the morning. I think a coffee, like right here, one or two copies gets me through and then i'm hitting i'm reading like once the kids are in school so that's when i get to like actually sit down once i drop them off at school that's when i actually right. get to sit down and actually eat but then i'm already checking things and trying to see what my day looks like you and i are in contact i'm looking at reports that you're sending over and i'm ready in work mode so i don't really see it or i have to go shower and, and, and whatnot and then come down and then we're already in work modes i'm pretty distracted like my days are pretty busy i'm pretty distracted until lunchtime wow there was a point where remember i when you first came on you had to schedule lunch in my calendar for me Do you remember right. that? like I, I would go I, I would literally not eat breakfast and then just not have time for lunch because my calendar would be a mess i think for that reason if anyone has a 
calendar that's a mess go hire an executive assistant and reach out to me i'll tell you where i got megan from you can't have her but they'll help you find someone like her yeah i think intermittent fasting is a big thing i could never do that <coughs> oatmeal and yogurt every Back morning to go to oatmeal and yogurt for the, for the most part yeah yeah cool i wouldn't be able to function without a little bit of food See, not me. And then, and then like I told like one of my mentors, like he was like, we had a morning meeting and I was eating a slice of toast and he's like, yeah, that's a good thing for you. Like you have a busy day, you have a busy day, carb overload in the morning. That shouldn't mess up your brain and functioning. And I was like, <laughs> I like dropped the toast like then and there. And I'm like, hey, way to take that joy out of my meal. And you know who I'm talking about. He's not exactly doesn't sugarcoat things at all. If people think I'm brutally honest. Yeah, I'm a pussycat compared to some people out there. <laughs> Might be true. Okay, let's see. Okay, that looks like that's it for today. That's all the questions I see. Cool. Yeah. If anyone has any questions, you can put them in the comments. But yeah, uh, if not, then I'm good with I'm good with a quick AMA. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Anything to promote? Anything to talk about? If you need help with any of this, our agency's got you covered. Gport mm -hmm. Media. If you are interested in working with us in any capacity, there's a link right here below. Just head on over to there. It will give you all the different ways we could possibly work together and do things. Or if you're like, hey, I'm fine. I just want some free advice. Come in every single week when we do this live AMA. I love doing this. I love helping. So please come in, bring some questions. And yeah, Megan, thanks for doing this. And uh, see you guys next week. All right. Bye. Hey everyone, thank you so much for listening. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Thank you for your attention. And if you made it this far, you're clearly someone who wants to take their business to the next level. And I understand that being an entrepreneur, it's a lonely place. It could be a lonely journey, which is why being part of a thriving community of like-minded people is just super important, as is the ability to instantly get answers to the questions you have in order to scale and grow your business. It's why I launched the Market Domination Coaching Group and it's we are open for invitations right now to join. So to request an invitation and book a free diagnostic consultation, let's call it a game plan call, head on over to marketdominationcoaching.com. It's where I will jump on a call with you and show you at least three ways you could possibly grow your business, whether we work together or not, we'll still do this. Uh, it's going to be the best business decision you'll make uh, today. Uh, so speak soon. Head on over to marketdominationcoaching.com. Book your free game plan call and I'll speak to you soon. Mm -hmm.